You are listening to Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. Expand your mind and keep it love. Saturday, April 8th, 1962. In our conversations, Don Juan consistently used or referred to the phrase man of knowledge, but never explained what he meant by it. I asked him about it. A man of knowledge is one who has followed truthfully the hardships of learning, he said. A man who has, without rushing or without faltering, gone as far as he can in unraveling the secrets of power and knowledge. Can anyone be a man of knowledge? No, not anyone. Then what must a man do to become a man of knowledge? He must challenge and defeat his four natural enemies. The enemies a man encounters on the path of learning to become a man of knowledge are truly formidable. Most men succumb to them. What kind of enemies are they, Don Juan? He refused to talk about the enemies. He said it would be a long time before the subject would make any sense to me. I tried to keep the topic alive and asked him if he thought I could become a man of knowledge. He said no man could possibly tell that for sure. Sunday, April 15, 1962. As I was getting ready to leave, I decided to ask him once more about the enemies of a man of knowledge. I argued that I could not return for some time and it would be a good idea to write down what he had to say and then think about it while I was away. He hesitated for a while but then began to talk. When a man starts to learn, he's never clear about his objectives. His purpose is faulty. His intent is vague. He hopes for rewards that will never materialize, for he knows nothing of the hardships of learning. He slowly begins to learn, bit by bit at first, then in big chunks, and his thoughts soon clash. What he learns is never what he pictured or imagined, and so he begins to be afraid. Learning is never what one expects. Every step of learning is a new task, and the fear the man is experiencing begins to mount mercilessly, unyieldingly. His purpose becomes a battlefield, and thus he has stumbled upon the first of his natural enemies, fear, a terrible enemy, treacherous and difficult to overcome. It remains concealed at every turn of the way, prowling, waiting, and if the man, terrified in its presence, runs away, his enemy will have put an end to his quest. What will happen to the man if he runs away in fear? Nothing happens to him except that he will never learn. He will never become a man of knowledge. He will perhaps be a bully or a harmless, scared man. At any rate, he will be a defeated man. His first enemy will have put an end to his cravings. And what can he do to overcome fear? The answer is very simple. He must not run away. He must defy his fear, and in spite of it, he must take the next step in learning, and the next, and the next. He must be fully afraid, and yet he must not stop. That is the rule. 
and the moment will come when his first enemy retreats. But won't the man be afraid again if something new happens to him? No. Once a man has vanquished fear, he's free from it for the rest of his life, because instead of fear, he's acquired clarity, a clarity of mind which erases fear. By then, a man knows his desires. He knows how to satisfy those desires. He can anticipate the new steps of learning, and a sharp clarity surrounds everything. The man feels that nothing is concealed, and thus he has encountered his second enemy, clarity. That clarity of mind, which is so hard to obtain, dispels fear, but also blinds. It forces the man never to doubt himself. It is like something incomplete. If the man yields to this make-believe power, he succumbs to a second enemy and will fumble with learning. He will be clear as long as he lives, but he will no longer learn or yearn for anything. But what does he have to do to avoid being defeated? He must do what he did with fear. He must defy his clarity and use it only to see. And the moment will come when he will understand that his clarity was only a point before his eyes. He will know at this point that the power he's been pursuing for so long is finally his. He can do with it whatever he pleases. His ally is at his command. His wish is the rule. He sees all that is around him, but he has also come across his third enemy. Power. A man at this stage hardly notices his third enemy closing in on him, and suddenly, without knowing, he will certainly have lost the battle. His enemy will have turned him into a cruel, capricious man. Will he lose his power? No, he will never lose his clarity or his power. Well, what then will distinguish him from a man of knowledge? A man who is defeated by power dies without really knowing how to handle it. Power is only a burden upon his fate. Such a man has no command over himself and cannot tell when or how to use his power. Well, how can he defeat his third enemy, Don Juan? He has to defy it deliberately. He has to come to realize the power he has seemingly conquered is in reality never his. He must keep himself in line at all times, handling carefully and faithfully all that he has learned. Thus he will have defeated his third enemy. The man will be by then at the end of his journey of learning, and almost without warning he will come upon the last of his enemies, old age. This enemy is the cruelest of all, the one he won't be able to defeat completely, but only fight away. But if the man sloughs off his tiredness and lives his fate through, he can then be called a man of knowledge if only for the brief moment when he succeeds in fighting off his last invincible enemy, that moment of clarity, power, and knowledge is enough. Okay, so today what I wanna do is I wanna share a really awesome framework from the book Secret Teachings of Don Juan with, by Carlos Castaneda. Now, I actually had the pleasure of meeting the actual Don Juan, so the shaman or medicine man that he actually resides in Tecate, Mexico. And I went down to his property and I, uh, I spent a day with him down there doing a Native American sweat. 
uh, with some of his family members. And it was a really, really awesome experience. And it's kind of a funny story, um, our interaction. So I'm gonna actually share that with you after I go over the framework from the book. So the book is, uh, there's a lot of cool things in it, but he talks about um, becoming a man of knowledge. And he says there's four enemies that you have to overcome to become a man of knowledge. And I'm sure this applies to women too. And the first enemy is fear. And when you overcome fear, you develop clarity. And then clarity becomes your second enemy. When you overcome clarity, you develop power. But then power becomes your third enemy. And when you overcome power, then you become a man of knowledge. But at that stage, old age becomes your next enemy. So I wanna go over how I interpreted that because it's funny, I was thinking about it just you know, as I scan and kind of analyze the world recently. And um, I was thinking about you know, this first thing, fear. This is such a big thing for people to get over. But when you do get over fear, you develop this, this clarity within you, meaning you can see things clearly because you're not afraid of things anymore. So if you wanna do something, you don't have fear clouding your vision or telling you, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that or maybe you should do it this way or like, I don't know if you could do that. You don't have these things clouding your vision. So you're, you're clear, you're, you're ready to go take action and do what you need to do to be the person that you wanna be. And this is a hump that most people never even get over, right? Most people don't actually get to the point of clarity where they can see clearly without fear. But if they do get over that point, then this is how clarity can become the next enemy. Now you see this a lot in, um, you know, what comes to mind is the iconic image of a movie star or a, a musician that gets, that, that is fearless because they've, they've created this amazing career and everything they do seems to work. And then they end up surrounding themselves with a bunch of yes men or yes women, people that just kind of agree with everything they say. And they basically run their career into the ground and destroy themselves because they are not willing to look at their own flaws and they don't have any fears or any doubts about their opinions or their decisions and everyone around them is telling them yes, so they just keep barreling on down their path without having uh, a deeper awareness and that ends up getting them in trouble in the long run, right? So this is very much like um, the, uh, the, the, the archetypal story of the adolescent warrior before they've actually became the real warrior. The warrior that has a lot of fighting skill, that's very courageous, but doesn't know where their limits are, right? So they're over, they've gotten over their fear, but they don't know what their limits are. They don't really know where their blocks are, where their blind spots are. So they're not that wise yet. And as a result, they might courageously just fight anyone that comes in their direction or say yes to any battle. But this is kind of like the young buck that doesn't really know how to play the game wisely. And the next stage of developing power is developing the humbleness to understand where your limits are and then seek help so that you can make an intelligent and calculated decision about the things that you choose to engage in and about the endeavors that you choose to pursue. But once you develop that pursue and once you develop that and once you develop that power so the ability to see where your weak spots are and then compensate for them in whatever way that you can so you make the right kind of decisions then you actually become powerful you develop true power okay so 
my camera died because it was so hot outside that it said it is overheated and it won't film anymore. So I'm gonna have to finish the rest of this video here in the car. So yeah, that's when you develop power. When you develop uh, the ability to be humble enough to admit where you're wrong and then take advice and move with patience and be calculated in your decisions, right? But then power becomes your next enemy. And power becomes your next enemy because once you develop power, if you don't have self-restraint, and the kind of self-restraint that can restrain you from running away with your desires, or letting your desires run away with you, I should say, then you become a slave to your desires. Meaning, you have the power to do anything. But with the power to do anything, will you become a slave to whatever your desires are? And then just go ahead and basically get everything that you want and not be able to hold steady to a set of morals or your um, your higher self's desires as opposed to your lower self's desires, right? And this is something that, you know, I can imagine is probably a big issue for um, a lot of, say, like millionaire billionaires that have made it to the point where um, they have the kind of patience and the kind of self-control that you need in order to become a millionaire or a billionaire, but they have certain insatiable desires that they can't control. So that may be the desire for power or the desire for more money. You can think of all the things that, I mean, if you could do absolutely anything, you might get kind of psychotic about it if you didn't have uh, self-control and a, a moral backbone, right? So power can actually become your enemy. But if you overcome power, then you become a man of knowledge, as he calls it, or a woman of knowledge. And as a woman or a man of knowledge, you then basically become a gift to the world because you can keep your moral grounding and you have the power to really do anything. So you basically have the capacity to become like a saint, right? You can change the world in a beautiful way. But then your enemy becomes old age. And this is because, you know, at this point when you've overcome all of these things, you've probably uh, had to go through quite a few years on this planet and you're, um, you're, you're getting into your older age. And at that point, um, one of the biggest challenges is to shake off, as he says, to shake off the fatigue that comes from being old and, um, and then continue to have that life force energy to go towards these, um, these greater aspirations and greater gifts that you're giving to the world. So this is essentially my interpretation of those four laws. Some people might interpret it slightly different, but I think nonetheless, my interpretation has, uh, has a lot of value there. So I wanted to share that with you. came back to Don Juan's house hours later in the early afternoon. He was apparently waiting for me. He came up to me as I got out of my car and examined me with curious eyes, walking around me a couple of times. Why the nervousness, he asked, before I had time to say anything. 
I explained that something had scared me off that morning and that I'd begun to feel something prowling around me as in the past. Don Juan sat down and seemed to be engulfed in thoughts. His face had an unusually serious expression. He seemed to be tired. I sat by him and arranged my notes. You forget too easily, he said. The world is indeed full of frightening things, and we are helpless creatures surrounded by forces that are inexplicable and unbending. The average man, in ignorance, believes that those forces can be explained or changed. He doesn't really know how to do that, but he expects that the actions of mankind will explain them or change them sooner or later. The sorcerer, on the other hand, does not think of explaining or changing them. Instead, he learns to use such forces by redirecting himself and adapting to their direction. A sorcerer, by opening himself to knowledge, falls prey to such forces and has only one means of balancing himself, his will. Thus, he must feel and act like a warrior. I will repeat this once more. Only as a warrior can one survive the path of knowledge. What helps a sorcerer live a better life is the strength of being a warrior. This brings us to the last point you must know about a warrior, he said. A warrior selects the items that make his world. Act like a warrior and select the items of your world. You cannot surround yourself with things helter-skelter any longer. I tell you this in a most serious vein. Now, for the first time, you're not safe in your old way of life. Years ago, I told you that in his day-to-day -day life, a warrior chooses to follow the path with heart. It is the consistent choice of the path with heart which makes a warrior different from the average man. He knows that a path has a heart when he is one with it, when he experiences a great peace and pleasure traversing its length. The things a warrior selects to make his shields are the items of a path with heart. This is your turning point. Now you must surround yourself with the items of a path with heart, and you must refuse the rest, or you will perish in the next encounter. I may add that you don't need to ask for the encounter any longer. An ally can now come to you in your sleep, while you are talking to your friends, while you are writing. For years I have truly tried to live in accordance with your teachings, I said. Obviously I have not done well. How can I do better now? You think and talk too much. You must stop talking to yourself. What do you mean? You talk to yourself too much. You're not unique at that. Every one of us does that. We carry on an internal talk. Think about it. Whenever you are alone, what do you do? I talk to myself. What do you talk to yourself about? I don't know. Anything, I suppose. I'll tell you what we talk to ourselves about. We talk about our world. In fact, we maintain our world with our internal talk. How do we do that? Whenever we finish talking to ourselves, the world is always as it should be. We renew it. We kindle it with life. We uphold it with our internal talk. Not only that, but we also choose our paths as we talk to ourselves. Thus we repeat the same choices over and over until the day we die, because we keep on repeating the same internal talk over and over until the day we die. The warrior is aware of this, and strives to stop his talking. This is the last point you have to know if you want to live like a warrior. How can I stop talking to myself? First of all, you must use your ears to take some of the burden from your eyes. We have been using our eyes to judge the world since the time we were born. We talk to others and to ourselves mainly about what we see. A warrior is aware of that and listens to the world. 
He listens to the sounds of the world. The world is such and such or so and so only because we tell ourselves that that is the way it is. If we stop telling ourselves that the world is so and so, the world will stop being so and so. The world is incomprehensible. We won't ever understand it. We won't ever unravel its secrets. Thus, we must treat it as it is, a sheer mystery. An average man doesn't do this, though. The world is never a mystery for him, and when he arrives at old age, he is convinced he has nothing more to live for. An old man has not exhausted the world. He has only exhausted what people do. But in his stupid confusion, he believes that the world has no more mysteries for him. What a wretched price to pay for our shields. A warrior is aware of this confusion and learns to treat things properly. The things that people do cannot under any conditions be more important than the world. And thus a warrior treats the world as an endless mystery and what people do as an endless folly. A warrior is a way of life, a way of thinking, a way of being. Carlos Castaneda says we choose only once to be warriors or ordinary. We choose only once because choosing to be a warrior alters your fundamental approach to life. While others will view everything as a blessing or a curse, you will see only challenges. And a warrior lives to overcome challenges. Every warrior has a code, an ethos. It is an invisible thread that connects him to all of his warrior brothers and sisters since the beginning of time. Stephen Pressfield asks, how do we find our true calling, our soul companions, our destiny? He answers, in this task, our greatest ally is the warrior ethos. A warrior never hopes, but yet he must have faith. Hope is powerless, useless. The longer we sit in hope, the more time we waste. Because the universe gives only what is sought, only what is believed. Because at times not every path is clear and not every enemy a fire and dragon. When the forest is dark, the warrior holds his ground with faith that if he remembers the warrior code, the light to illuminate the darkness will come. For the warrior, the body is as important as the mind, for the two are inseparable. Daniel Bellelli writes, a person who knows there's a wild wolf living under his skin is less likely to be intimidated by reality. When the mind is in doubt, the body provides tangible proof. A warrior is not an ascetic. He does not deny himself the pleasures of conquest simply for the sake of denying them. He realizes that in doing so, it is easy to think he is doing great things when really he is just focused on himself. But neither is he attached to these pleasures. He can walk away from them at any time. Sometimes he does, just to prove it to himself. The warrior is a natural leader, and he leads under one principle, follow me. When Alexander the Great was threatened with mutiny after years of brutal campaigning in India, he stepped forward, stripped off his armor, and challenged his men. Bring forth a man who has bled more than me and we will go home. No one stepped forth, because it was Alexander, riding his horse Bucephalus with a double-plumed helmet, leading every charge. His men erupted in cheers and pounded their shields. The warrior is a believer. As Paulo Coelho says, because he believes in miracles, miracles begin to happen. Because he is sure that his thoughts can change his life, his life begins to change. Because he is certain that he will find love, love appears. A warrior is highly tuned to sense danger, but he does not fear. He does not fear because pain is temporary and death an illusion. 
What is eternal cannot die, and he knows that he will laugh, he will love, and he will fight for all eternity, in this world or some other. If he errs, if he wanders, if he indulges in self-pity, he does not despair. He knows that he is human, and he remembers the choice that he made. He picks his sword back up from the ground and resumes the path of the warrior. A warrior fights for one reason alone, love. Love of life, love of what is good, love of family, love of tribe, and love for his infinite soul on the quest for impeccability. He lets love swell in his heart, flushing through every cell of his being until he can't help but proclaim, like Cyrano de Bergerac, I am going to be a storm, a flame. I need to fight whole armies alone. I have ten hearts. I have a hundred arms. I feel too strong to war with mortals. Bring me giants. Welcome to the Nagwal Zone. My name is Anam. Today we have an interesting topic called impeccability. Impeccability. Impeccable. An impeccable warrior. I'll tell you one thing that impeccable means that will really help clarify this concept, which surprisingly I find a lot of people don't quite have a clear idea of what that means. In fact, one uh, lovely person on YouTube commented saying, could you explain and do a video on impeccability? So I said, yeah, because I was thinking along that same lines and then that comment came. I said, okay, good, let's do a video on that. Now, if you can understand what I'm about to say to you, you will have understood almost all of the pie chart of impeccability. You'll have understood 90% of impeccability if you understand and really imbibe and absorb what I'm about to tell you. Now, there's two kinds of people, or there's two kinds of approaches, mental, approaches, two kinds of characters, two kinds of characters. One of them is someone who is used to doing their best, their very, very best in each thing that they do, in everything in their life. They give their very best and then more. They go the extra mile. Then you have you have people like Bruce Lee in mind. You have people like um, all all you know the champions. You have Usain Bolt, and in whatever they choose to do, they give their very best, absolutely best, and then some. There, the other set of human beings. Unfortunately, there are loads of us like that, who, uh, without realizing it, a lot of times we like to get away with the bare minimum. We like to, whatever we, the job that we're doing or in our relationship, this, that, all the rest of it, we just like to do the bare minimum and then move to the next, whatever takes our fancy next, right? Because that is coming from an utterly bored soul, spirit, a spirit that is bored. And so they just touch on the surface, whatever, consume it, give it their bare minimum in exchange and move on. The ultimate consumer. Very, very few people on this earth 
have cultivated through a lifetime of hard work on themselves the habit of giving their very best to everything that they touch. Everything that their mind touches, their spirit touches, benefits from the very best of them, right? So you see where this is going. Impeccability is that one step further for the Toltec. The Toltecs, as you know, um, the Toltec path demands, indeed requires you to be, to be the kind of person that is used to giving your absolute best in every situation, in every moment, every day, every year, right? And then some, and then go the extra mile. Impeccability is largely composed of that. If you can just get this idea and saturate your spirit with it and then try and start applying it slowly, slowly, start with one thing in your life that you can consistently bring the very best of you to. Just one thing. And then spread it to the point where you, have, you are the kind of person that is just always giving their very best at all times and then some become that kind of person now if now only you can self-examine and arrive at an honest assessment an honest self-assessment and see whether you are that kind of person chances are chances are that if you are congratulations if you're not, then that's very good because you can start. You can start from an honest assessment of yourself. Because if you, you know, we all pretend to be better than we really are. We do. We're, we're addicted to this quality of constantly pretending to ourselves, especially to others, and especially in, in front of others, constantly pretending to be better than we actually are, right? But if we acknowledge you know, inside ourselves where we really are at, and I acknowledge, you know what? I don't give the best in every situation. I don't. I don't have that habit. That's when we can start to move forward. We can cultivate that habit. So I want you guys to become the kind of person that is always giving their best to whatever. Now, here's the thing about impeccability. Impeccability on the Toltec path is so talked about. You know why? Because impeccability demands that whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, you are to give your best in that situation. See, that's impeccability. It's one thing to give your best and feel great because... You love doing it. <laughs> Everyone can do that. Put someone who loves doing something and they'll naturally give their best to it. But that's why not everyone is a Toltec because in the Toltec system, one of the basic requirements is that you learn to give your absolute best and not like run down and like, oh, 
I gave my best and now I'm dying. Uh, no, that's not impeccability. Impeccability nets you energy at the end of the day. If you've been impeccable in the day, man, you are anchored, you are grounded, you are strong. You, you are, uh, you're not a beggar, you're an emperor. Only emperors can afford to be impeccable because they are, they are big, they're large. Beggars cannot afford to be impeccable. They're constantly looking to take. Hmm? So understand this concept. Impeccability is when, whether you like it or not, whether you hate the situation, I can't stand it, but you are committed to giving your absolute best, your best creative potential, your best ideas, your best energy, your best momentum, your best uh, solutions, your best productivity, your best proactivity, everything you bring to the table and say, I hate this situation, but I'm the kind of character who won't accept anything less from myself. Because then I'm not a warrior. I'm not behaving like a warrior. I'm behaving like the average man. So I want you to really consider this idea, guys. Learn, cultivate, hone, give yourself 10 years, 20 years. Learn to become the kind of person who gives their absolute best with great passion, with great zest for life, with great lust for life. Every situation gets your best, deserves your best. Become that person and you will have walked that much further into the Toltec path. Truth be told, my apprentices always, you know, get this encouragement from me all the time. Stop indulging and start giving your impeccable best to this situation because impeccability demands that I know you hate this situation, but it demands that if you are to become a warrior one day, you need to learn. You need this ground, you need this battleground to learn how can I bring my passion to this, bring my solution-oriented approach, not whining constantly and indulging and, oh, but you don't understand, it's like this and this and this, and that is why, you know, well, um, um, um. nature doesn't care. Nature will respond to the quality the sheer quality you're bringing to each moment. Nature will respond to that. Nature will not respond to your whining and your indulging and your excuses and your reasons. Nature doesn't respond. What can I do? I didn't make those rules. Neither did you. Don Juan didn't make those rules. Neither did Carlos Castaneda or any of the other people who you may have read off or heard of or been with. These are the rules of nature. These are the characteristics of nature. I, my wish for you is to really repeat, watch this video again and again. Watch it again and again. It's got a lot of energy in it. And, and really take your time. Don't beat yourself up, but take your time into becoming the person who gives their absolute best. Again, remember, 
It's not the best that a victim gives. Oh, I gave my best, but, but it didn't work out. Oh, and now I'm depleted. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not impeccability. Impeccability means you gave your best and you walked away even stronger than before from a challenging situation. Now, chances are that you are used to, in most of your life, you're used to giving the bare minimum. This is how the average man thinks. Maybe you don't think like that, but here's how the average man thinks. I'll give my bare minimum and expect the maximum results. Like some kind of magical thinking. I'll input my bare minimum, the barest minimum I can get away with. <laughs> but I'll expect big results. Oh my God, yes. Like, you know, I deserve to be rich and I'm wealthy and I am successful and I am this and I am that and I am a warrior and... Oh, and I am at the second gate of dreaming and the fifth gate of uh, uh, dreaming and uh, the allies and uh, Toltec system and I am so... Yeah, but are you... <laughs> we all have sand castles we build in our heads, right, guys? But life will test you and you should test yourself. T be honest with yourself. Do you give your best to everything you bring? And do you walk away with more energy at the end of the day than you put in because you spent the day giving your absolute best to everything? It's my endeavor to transmit to you, communicate to you the kind of zest. You know, like Muhammad Ali, the kind of talons, fangs that that person needs who is giving their best at each moment they are engaged with life in fact i did a video my previous video was about the modality of the time go and watch it if you haven't because the modality of the time will require you to be impeccable and i had uh, um, responses on some forums online where people are oh, this is all crap uh, what we use today is damaging the earth. Plastic is bad. This is bad. That is bad. Ah, bah, 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 bah. Why should I fit in with the times? I don't fit in with the times. And I already pointed out in the video, go and watch it. That, you know, that's a way to feel self-righteous. Nothing else. You're not giving your best to anything. Winners don't talk like that. Winners don't whine and whinge. They don't indulge. Right? So change your perspective from a, from someone who's just uh, change yourself see how much energy you gain when you shift your perspective when you get with the program indeed the Toltec path requires you to be that kind of person because the challenges that come on the Toltec path if you're not used habitually used to giving your best all the time you simply just won't have the requisite levels of energy you just won't have the buoyancy, the, the, um, the lift that is needed to navigate those challenges. Just won't have it. Just won't have it. So think carefully on these words, guys. Shift from giving your bare minimum to giving your absolute best and more to absolutely everything you do.
everything from eating, breathing. It's a, it's a way, it's a way to be that I want you to understand. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast so it's motivational and inspirational i also have promotional t-shirts if you go to my website alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com you can see the promotional t-shirts there reach out to me also if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast just reach out and see if i can get that done i've been getting some really Great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.